Boom, put boom, boom, A side, B side, what side are you on? What's going on, Adam? I'm I'm doing well, Brooke. How are you? I say that like we haven't been talking for like an hour already. We have, but that's the best part. Is it like I hear like the, the weird voice over lady be like recording in progress, and I get very scared because <laughs> I'm like, well, now now this is gonna be like official court record. Uh, so we're laughing and joking and you said okay wait we gotta start we gotta start so because today started out and i know we usually do like the whole thing like what have you been watching what have you been listening to yada 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 um today started out where i last night was not feeling great and i was like you know what i've been my whole sleep schedule has been thrown off for 41 years i should probably figure out like how to go to sleep at like 9 p.m so I have literally the most dangerous over-the-counter drug available. It's called NyQuil. Mm -hmm. That stuff is like, I don't understand how we sell that without a prescription. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make myself go to sleep. I'm going to take some NyQuil. I'm going to get like a real eight hours of sleep, like a regular human being who's not a vampire. And so I took my NyQuil. And then I slept horribly. I did not enjoy the, the entire evening. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up at one point and I saw this text message that I had missed from Brooke asking me to <laughs> call into the radio show and tell a joke. And I legit did not believe it was real because one of the scariest things I've ever done is try to tell a joke on stage. So I have, I have spent I didn't know time. That, I've spent time in uh, correctional facilities I have performed in front of like thousands of people on stage at uh, youth gatherings. I have uh, gone streaking uh, on video for no apparent reason. Um, I have done just about everything you can do to not be scared of stuff, but performing a joke and telling a joke on stage is outside of my personal relationships, the greatest fail I've ever had. And I could, I love to, I like reaction humor. I love like one-liners in a moment. But if if you say, Adam, tell a joke, it is the scariest thing that you could ask me to do. And so when I saw that text, I was still convinced in my NyQuil haze that I was still in a nightmare. And it's really frustrating because I feel like deep down, I want to be good at being a stand-up comic. Like I love stand-up comedians. One of the best things about my planes, trains, and automobiles uh, horrible exp- expedition last weekend was that I found this guy uh, Jack Wiltshire on uh, YouTube uh, YouTube stories or reels or uh, shorts YouTube shorts it's like their version of Instagram reels and TikToks it's like mm-hmm. thirty to sixty seconds and I just like watched this guy stand up for many hours on the bus and he was hilarious and i love stand-up comedians i wish i could be them but it's kind of like i also wish i could play guitar i my fingers do not do the right things on the guitar for me to play guitar and my brain does not work when they're like hey say something funny yeah so i apologize for not calling into the radio station today and telling a joke but i legit thought it was a fever dream from nyquil that wasn't real so um (laughs) You can add that to your resume if you want. <laughs> I cause I cause fever dreams from NyQuil. 
Uh, the one joke that I do feel comfortable telling is a dad joke. Okay. Okay. So, when does a joke become a dad joke? Hmm. When? Wait, I know. When Go it ahead. becomes a parent. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have a guy at work. His name is Mark, and I adore him. And he tells dad jokes. And I think he just told me that one the other day. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's, 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 I, it's not mine. My only other joke I tried to tell is one like paraphrased from Short Circuit, which isn't funny in the movie. It involves like a priest, uh, uh, a pastor and a rabbi and something about throwing money into the air. And like, it's not funny in the movie, but it's the only no- joke that I know for sure. Oh, oh, actually, there's another one. Um, did you did you hear about... Uh, this is really a joke. It's more of like uh, common, like current events sort of thing. Did you hear about uh, this this actress um, in California? She was stabbed. Uh, it's like uh, I forget her last name. It's uh, Reese. Um, uh, uh, Reese. No, no, no it's with a knife. They were stabbed with a knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like I love how you knew where it was going, and you were like, fine. <laughs> Ah, uh, this this is like the like the joke equivalent of like the, the quarterback looking down. He's like gonna throw home, like gonna go throw for the end zone, but he just sees like the guy wide open in the flat for like three yards. He's like, fine, all right, <laughs> just catch it, please, dear God. <laughs> that was oh that was like God. the 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 check down version of the joke. Oh but. man! So before we get into what we've been watching, can I just tell you I have had several people. Con- comment on your story last week and how hilarious it was which I told you oh my gosh this story is hilarious and you were like oh I don't know and I'm like no no no, no. hilarious to be fair by that point I had been telling it for like four days so I, I was also kind of assuming everyone was tired of it because I've been telling it for four days so uh, that is great none of them reached out to me on the uh, the social web so I don't believe you but I'm sure it was real <laughs> if it didn't happen on the socials it's not true but... if I didn't get the personal reinforcement it doesn't exist <laughs> one of the people of course was mom executive producer and like she I think had literal tears in her eyes as she's like retelling me the story that <laughs> you tell and of course one of her favorite parts was when I made the comment is their mom my mom because you talked <laughs> yeah, about the team yeah. having to you know contact FaceTime every 30 minutes yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. not just contact home FaceTime like I need visual proof that you're yeah. like I need proof of life while you're on the bus yeah yeah and it, I said, well, are you? Because that sounds like you. <laughs> like, I know my mom wants to ask for that, but knows she can't. Like, one of my favorites, I got knocked unconscious in high school playing soccer. And I look, I like, when I came to, because I, I jumped up for a header and a guy undercut me and I landed directly on my face. Uh, and I was knocked out for like not that long maybe like 30 seconds or so and the first thing that i see is like when i my eyes are open is my mother in full teacher walk because she was a second grade teacher like <laughs> she's not running but she's walking with purpose it's that like sprint walk like towards like towards me and i'm in the middle of the field and i'm like just barely coming to and i'm trying to wave her off like no mom i'm good 
fine. Go back. And she stopped. She did like a full like heel pivot and walked back and didn't come all the way out there. But like her instinct was like, I'm going. I'm going to go check on this. He's knocked unconscious. <laughs> it was so much later. I, I cut myself on stage mm-hmm. when she was in the audience and I was legit bleeding substantially. It was, it was a finger cut. So it's just like, it looks way worse than it is. Uh, but that was another time when I'm like, man, mom is doing an excellent job fighting all of her base reactions because she wants to be like, my son is bleeding on stage. Someone should do that. So I just look over and she's just elbowing my father while it's <laughs> happening. Because he was part of the university. So like he could go and find out if everything was okay. Mom's like, I can't go on stage and ruin the show. But yeah, I don't like, it's hard for moms to not, or for parents, but you know, moms especially. Moms especially, not, yeah. Yeah, to not, you know, like, you want to you be, like, hovering over the baby bird. Yeah. Which I'm, I mean, can you imagine, like, when we were kids, we would just leave on a Friday night with uh, no way of, they would have no idea, like, well, okay, we could tell them. No, like, no cell phones. There was phone. no cell phones, like, like it, no, like, hey, I'm just going to, like, track my phone because I'm worried about the phone, but also it, the kids attached to it. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, okay, I'll be back at 10. Like, it changes everything when I when I get back at like 10, 15 and my parents would be standing there like worried to death. And I'd be like, why is it such a big deal? Because now the kid lives at eight. I'm checking at eight ten where they're yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let alone I, two hours plus. I can do the like location. Like uh, they share their location with me. And I, yeah. like, I, I'm constantly, oh, it depends. Like, like today I haven't looked at it at all, but like, there's sometimes where they're, they're just out and I haven't heard from him in a while. And then I'm like, okay, where is she? Let me see what she's doing. Well, it's a, and it's such an amazing, like, luxury to have that. You know, because then you don't have to, like, text or call. You just be like, oh, okay. They appear to be where they said they were. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're not, you're not like... The fact that back in the day we could say, like, I'm going to Jimmy's house and then not go to Jimmy's house... Right. And it feels, or then like mom would call Jimmy's house and she would be like, yeah, he's asleep. And we all believed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. Now kids got to, like, it, it, it must be very hard for kids these days to get away with anything. Because we're constantly mm-hmm. tracking it. Yes. Although, and then, and then counterpoint, euphoria is a thing. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> Have you, did you watch that at all? Uh, no, I refuse to watch. I can't. I have two teenagers. I have two high school kids. I'm gonna plead ignorance on this one. I don't. I don't. Nope. I'm not watching any high school movies for the next three years. So when they're yeah. in college, I won't watch college movies for a while. Uh, when they're middle age, I probably won't watch any sitcoms. Uh, <laughs> I don't want anything to remind me of what they're going through and make me worry because I'm already worried all the time. Well, I don't need additional ammo. So I, I ask. You know, like I, I was talking to my youngest because I'm like, high school was not like this when I went to high school. Like, did, did high school was it like this with you? And she's like, no. no. I'm like, Whoa. I mean, I know it's television and an ex- it's an extreme exaggeration, but I'm like, good lord, it's based off of something. Where well, is this high school? No, but I mean, like, Be- like when we were in high school, Beverly Hills, Dino Tumo was like the that and Saved by the Bell were the versions of high school, right? Right. I will go out and limb and say that my school was one, I went to a very small high school in a religious community. So 
duh. But my high school was not like those high schools at all. I don't think anybody else's was. I would say closer to Saved by the Bell because Saved by the Bell was harmless. I mean, it was just Zach Morris on his cell phone getting yeah. Screech to do whatever he wanted so he could steal Kelly Kapowski from um, Slater. Yeah. I mean, there was the very special episode where Jesse Spano took too many caffeine pills. I'm so excited. <laughs> Which, yeah, caffeine pills. Wow. Oh but God. it was supposed to be speed, but like the network was too scared and it just made it caffeine pills. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm drinking Surge over here watching the show being like, <laughs> right. El Sergio has five times the amount of caffeine. It's a caffeine pill, Jesse. Come on, step it up. Oh my gosh. So um, this week, do, have you watched anything good? I, I've got some ones to tell you about. Uh, I finished the Reacher series, which mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed. Who uh, I got to introduce, by the way. I know. I was going to say, like, I had watched it and like stuff happened with life and I like had stopped watching it. And then last Monday, uh, Alan Richmond does a whole like, like you introduced him and he does like, these are the nominees. Yes, yes, gotta. And I was like, oh yeah, I really got to watch that show. And then I finished it and it was, I was thoroughly impressed. I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do with the next season mm-hmm. because this season was so much about the ensemble. It wasn't just about Reacher. Mm-hmm. Like the, like his two, like Detective Finley and Roscoe, like they were as much a character, like it's part of the story as Reacher was. But each time, like the books are basically, he goes around and he, meets new people each time and i think the temptation for the series is going to be really hard to not bring back those characters right because it was it was a really well done and it was a lot of fun um so yeah so thank you for being in the acms to remind me that i had to finish that my uh, pleasure my pleasure which i think is probably the the main uh knock on from that that, that happened was that you, you do this <laughs> that, I, mad- that i reminded you yeah, that I was subscribed to a service I was already subscribed to and I had to finish a series. Oh, so, yeah, there you go. I think my yeah. I, my mom mentioned it. I think she started it. Or... It's it's surprising. Like, it's so different from the movies. Like, the movies are all action. There's a lot more investigation and a lot more character development and a lot more story this because it's eight episodes. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I went on to Twitter and I was like, I don't think novels should ever be made into movies again. They should be made into series and not like a like you take a 500 or 1000 page book and jam it into two and a half hours or right. 3 hours right like in a series you're given 8 hours to work with so basically like we figured out hey lord of the rings works as three 3 hour movies which is 9 hours or we could have just turned it into a series and that's kind of what it was so you would recommend it though no oh, absolutely i i very much enjoyed reacher uh, I am so far behind on NCIS and Resident Alien and The Cleaning Lady. I, I, I've, I have done a poor job of watching a lot of sports lately. Or I've watched a lot of sports lately, but not a lot of TV. So oh, I'm I saw, very much I haven't seen a movie in like three months. So I saw The Cleaning Lady pop there. up on my Hulu list. Like on the shows you may you like. You saw The Batman though, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. I meant to go the Batman. Yeah, I meant to go yesterday when it was like five dollar movie day, and I and I 
came home and napped and completely forgot. And forgot. I mean, it's a three-hour movie, so I feel like you have to have a nap before you go to bed. I would say so, yes. But you liked it and enjoyed it. No, I've I've not seen it. I, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm so like I should give it a try, but I'm also like this I heard is my it's good. This is like my fourth Batman. I know, I know, I know. Someone sent me a meme, and it was like about all the different Batmans and how each Batman progressively gets darker, and then it's like Batman twenty twenty five, and it's just a black screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I mean, it, it looks it looks really good, and like uh, Zoe Kravitz looks amazing as Catwoman, and I I I just it's kind of where I'm at. I was at with uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like I was so invested in the Tobey Maguire Spider Man that I just never like I just let the Garfield one pass you by. Yeah. And then I, then I like let it hang for a little bit, and then I was back with Tom Holland, and now I've gone back and rewatched. The or watched for the first time the Andrew Garfield ones since uh, uh, the Way from Home one, mm-hmm. and I like them, but also like I don't feel like I miss that much, you know. Like I feel like this is God. This, this is such an old person statement. I feel like maybe this isn't my generation's Batman. I had my generations. I had the first one, which was Michael Keaton, and then I had a second one which was uh, the British to Christian Bale. Uh, this isn't my generation. So I was going to let the kids have this one. Okay. I'm, I'm going to see it. I just have, maybe that's what I'll do this weekend. I don't really have any plans this weekend. So I think I will go um, see it. Um, real quick, because we've been blabbing, blathering on. Um, we blather us? What? I know, right? Um, I am offended. <laughs> So I saw the Adam Project. Oh yeah, That's, I, that, that was really good. It is very. Good. I was I was not expecting it. I was not expecting to like it as much as I I did. But the same thing happened to me with Free Guy. Like I was like, this is gonna be real stupid. And then I ended up really enjoying Free Guy. Ryan Reynolds kind of has that effect on you. You're like, this is gonna be corny, and then it ends up being like really good. Um, You're like, darn it, I like this. Ah, yeah. So. Uh, a lot of fun. Of course, it's Ryan Reynolds, so be careful because there's going to be language. Um, yeah. I started to drop out, which it's released the first several episodes, and then it's going to have to continue releasing episodes. I've heard very good things. Um, like we we in the lobby of the building at some like Friday Saturday nights, everyone will be like hanging out, having coffee and drinks and talking and stuff, and like people were raving about it last week. Yeah, Amanda Seyfried does a very very good job um of taking on elizabeth holmes like very good also um watched uh, 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 uh oh the woman in the the woman in the window across the street from the girl and no the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window which <laughs> i know is, is that the is that the allison brie one no that's the that's the uh Kristen bell one Oh, the Kristen Bowen. Ah. And it's pretty darn funny. Like it's, first of all, it's Kristen Bell. So it's not going to be serious. Anything she does is not serious, but it's right. shot so well that like when I was talking to my mom about it at first, she was like, oh, I thought it was serious. And I was like, no, it's not. And then like, I, I recited one of the lines in the movie to her and I was like, and she's like, well, yeah, okay. That makes sense now. It's, it's a parody, Yeah, but it's shot to 
to mimic exactly these these types of movies and shows and it's it's done really well like i, I would i would sit and watch it again like it, it's meant to be like sort of like psychological thriller yes yeah okay but it's also a comedy yeah but it's like a dark comedy so it's it's, it's a bit subtle um and then the worst roommate ever which we i talked about last week because the first episode yes. was dorothea puente but uh the last like two episodes it's a two-parter the last two episodes on that one oh my gosh crazy crazy uh based on it actually could it actually could be something that we talk about on the b-side oh yeah you, you get time to I, check I, that out. yeah to go to go back to to the the old school that could be a whole episode in itself mm-hmm. yeah but that's all i that's what i watched like that wasn't enough, right? No, that was a lot. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on. I had a free weekend, so I used it yeah. because of like the time change and then still being tired from traveling. I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not even leaving the house this weekend. And so I binged between naps. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right. So are you ready for the A-side this week? Episode 84. So for the A-side this week. Uh, I wanted to highlight another of our favorite that person from that shows. Uh, but also one of the things that I've loved about these segments is that something will happen and I'll be like, Hey, we should talk about this guy or this gal. And then every single time I find out, that the backstory of these people who create characters I love is its own story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And one of those things that like, I don't think we always get time to, you know, we see somebody on, on stage or on, on TV or on the movie screen and they like, they make us laugh or they, we connect with them in some way. And we think of them just as a character. And these little that person from that show segments have given me an opportunity to like go back into the history and personal background of people that I would probably have never checked out before. Uh, and every single time is oddly heartwarming and encouraging and like in a weird time in the world. I mean, the world always has weird times, but it feels good to find good stories mm -hmm. when we're dealing with pandemics and war and nonsense all over the place. So today we are talking about an actor named Ralph Philander on, and I have a special place in my heart for Mr. On, but only because I knew him from one singular show and one amazing scene, which were I ever to do a tag talk or be allowed to teach in a, theatrical setting about film, this is one of the first scenes that I would bring up because of the brilliance of silence that it uses. So Ralph Ahn is, was an American actor. He was the last surviving son of one of the leading Korean independence activists from the early 1900s. We're talking back in like 1910s, 1920s. He was born in Los Angeles. He grew up as a actor, a teacher, a football coach, 
uh, at the same high school where Cheech Marin went. I don't know if Cheech was on the team, but they were there at the same exact time. Uh, but he is known for many roles. Uh, he was in Lawnmower Man 2, Amityville, A New Generation. He was in Panther. But the spot that I know him for, and I feel that most people would recognize him for, is his role as Tran in the sitcom New Girl. Mm-hmm. And Mr. On passed away about two weeks ago uh, at the age of 95, uh, just a couple of days away from my own grandfather's passing. So it connected in a little bit different way. Um, almost all of the castmates of New Girl posted things on Instagram and Twitter, um, you know, mentioning working with him. But the number one person who worked with him was the character Nick Miller from New Girl. Mm -hmm. And there's this entire scene, uh, which runs three minutes and 19 seconds. And at no point in the three minutes and 19 seconds of his first appearance in the show and his most memorable moment does Rolf on say a single word. He spends the entire time listening and reacting. And from a cinematography perspective and and from an acting perspective to literally have no lines. Like how many times have we all auditioned for a show and gotten cast as somebody who didn't have a line? And that feels like it's a, it's a loss. Like, Oh, I don't even have a line. Mm -hmm. He has no lines. He has, says no words this entire scene, and he runs the entire scene. It is a beautiful, amazing scene between uh, Jack John, uh, uh, Josh Johnson, I think is his name. Uh, I'm trying to get the, the right guy here, um, who plays Nick Miller. And basically, he just keeps talking, and Tron just listens and reacts. And then Nick himself just continues to answer the questions he asks by himself. Uh, I was sent this uh, link when I was, when it first came out, like seven, eight years ago. And somebody's saying like, I just watched this TV show and this is legitimately you sitting at the end of the bar, uh, just talking with random strangers. And I'm like, I know <laughs> I should probably let them speak at some point. Uh, but it is, it is an amazingly subtle character choice. And he does such an amazing job of giving back from an actor's perspective whatever, without ever having to speak. And he, his face is so expressive and it is a master class in how a dialogue doesn't need two voices. You can still hear both voices without one of them being audible. Uh, and it's an incredibly poignant and well done role. He would show up on the show a couple more times later seasons there was the i was big into new girl in the first couple seasons and then i kind of dropped off Uh, i guess later in the the series there was this whole debate over who nick's best friend really is Mm -hmm. uh and nick would always say that it was actually tran (laughs) this guy was only in like three episodes right uh and then later we found out that like when nick dates his daughter which got weird uh that tran didn't actually think he was his best friend and that was like kind of broke Nick's heart a little bit uh yeah but Nick Miller like if if there was a combination of characters that were the soup of my personality Nick Miller Sean Spencer uh Neil Caffrey and Marty McFly you put all those into a blender uh add a little bit of 
self-doubt and you know severe depression and you got me so uh, i have a big connection to the character if you've never seen the scene uh, i've sent the link as part of our weekly link so hopefully it could be on our website i highly recommend watching it uh but ralph on had an amazing career and life outside of acting he was an actor but he was also a teacher like i said he taught uh he, he was football coach in the 1960s at uh, a high California high school. Uh, he was somebody who was always involved in the uh, Korean American community and someone that I wish that I had known more about before uh, I saw a tweet or an Instagram that he had passed away uh, because it reminded me of what an amazing scene that was and how you could do so much with subtlety and how acting and emotion do, does not require words. Uh, and kind of on that page, one of the uh, big Hollywood darlings right now for the award season is uh, Coda, which yes. is uh, um, the it's code for uh, child of deaf adults, I believe. Yes. Uh, and I have not seen it yet, and I am super excited to, but it just reminded me of how Sometimes we feel like when we're talking about great performances, it has to be these big monologues and these words and this extreme expression vocally when there is so much that can be done without words that is just as important and can be just as powerful. So uh, definitely check out the clip that we put on the website. Uh, and I hopefully will be seeing Coda here in the next couple of weeks. But if you've already seen it, I would love to hear your reaction as well. It's actually on my list. I've been meaning to watch it. A good friend of mine uh, has been telling me that she liked it, even though she's not a big fan of Marley Matlin, because in her opinion, any up until, you know, within the last few years, when people have tried to be a bit more inclusive, anytime they needed a deaf actress, it was always Marley Matlin. Yeah. So no, she she's, liked, yeah. She's been the only one for years. You know? Yeah. Um, Speaking of, she was in Children of a Lesser God with William Hurt, who just passed away. Um, but so she is in this movie, but she said, despite that fact, she really, really enjoyed it. And the hearing actors apparently had no knowledge of sign language before this movie. Wow. And they picked it up for this movie. So um, I, I am excited to, to see it. And I keep, it's like one of those where it's like, I have Apple and I know it's there, but I keep forgetting about it being there that I pay for. So no, it's I, yeah, I don't know what that's like. That's gotta be weird. Like, <laughs> how do you forget about subscription services you have? <laughs> Who does that? But I am going to watch it. Maybe I don't know within the next couple of days. I plan to watch it. So. Sorry. No, no, that's that's the A side. Uh, go watch Coda. Go watch the clip of Ralph on on new girl and uh also we've got links to all of his background and everything it's it's a pretty amazing story um uh, i just hope someday like 40 years from now that i am in one show where some random dude from the midwest puts me on a podcast <laughs> because my story is not going to be nearly as good as his or any of the other ones we've covered but you know, like the slight, like we have the, the user conditions for win, like, like you want to win Monopoly, but like, you also just want to beat that person mm -hmm. or like you're playing risk and like, 
I'm just going to hold Madagascar because I want to. This is my user definition for fame at this point. Just I want to be have one role where I get on a podcast at some point. <laughs> All right. So that's the A side. That's the A side. Okay. So this week for the B side, we are going overseas. I tell you, I, I feel like England and like the UK and Australia kind of have like, don't take this the wrong way, kind of have the better serial killers. Well, to be fair, they've had many more years to get that. True, true, true. Like their psychosis has, has been like, it's been long baked. It's like, <laughs> oh, like the, theirs is in the oven. Ours is in the microwave. <laughs> so... <laughs> So this is the story of John Wayne Glover, who was born 19, uh, in 1932, November 26th, in Wolverhampton, England, to a, a working class family. So not a whole lot about John Wayne's um, childhood is known before the age of 12. In 1947, he was convicted for stealing clothes and handbags. John leaves school at the age of 14. He later joins the British Army but he's kicked out when these petty crimes from his earlier years were discovered. So that means he probably lied about them. Oh. Uh, <laughs> around the age of 23, 24, he immigrates from the UK to Australia, where he eventually becomes a naturalized citizen. Initially, he moves to Victoria and he's convicted on two counts of larceny, which is personal theft. And then another count of theft in South Wales. So we can see from an early age, he's got a theft problem. I wouldn't be surprised if while he was in the military and had stolen some things, maybe he just didn't get caught. Yeah, there's less to steal. That's just my opinion. Maybe he stole someone else's BDUs. Well, I don't know what they call them in the British Army, but anyway, um, battle dress uniform BDUs, that's the camouflage. Um, and that's what they called them when I was in. I don't even know if they still call them that because things have changed. But anyway, moving on. So, <laughs> um, so in 1962, uh, he's convicted on two counts of indecent assault, one count of aggravated bodily harm, and four counts of larceny against two women. His sentence, a three-year good behavior bond. Wow, they really showed him. Oh. Just throwing the book at him there. Man. If the book was like a pillow. <laughs> right. <laughs> An extremely light. Stop it. <laughs> Ouch, that hurts. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> it looks like uh, John's trouble started with his mom. Goodness gracious, always the case, right? He had a very troubled, relation, tr troubled relationship with his mother. Who's, her name was Frida. Uh, it looks like Frida was married multiple times, had several boyfriends. Well, then later in life, he also has a troubled relationship with his mother-in-law after he marries gay roles in 1968. So, so this, this person's name is Gay Rolls? Yeah, Gay, is, her first name, Rolls, was her last name until she married John Wayne. Because, because we're in a podcast, that could just be like a terminology at this point. So, so I'm like a <laughs> statement as opposed to a person. <laughs> no, her, her name was Gay Rolls, Gay Rolls dash... Uh, Glover, I guess it becomes. Uh, fair enough. So because of, you know, his, he's got like this overbearing mom who's, I guess, in his eyes, I don't know. I don't, you know, 
who you know went through the husbands and the boyfriends and then he's got this yeah. mother-in-law we don't psychoanalyze on here but we do make judgments we do um and it seems that it led to him having issues with older women mm. so his mom moves to australia in 1976 and she ends up passing from cancer in 1989 and then later that same year he was actually diagnosed with male breast cancer Oof. so after 20 years of marriage john glover and gay separate after his diagnosis and she moves with their daughters to new zealand so john during this whole time is working as a a, a sales rep for a pie company a meat pie company called foreign 20 he was considered really friendly trustworthy you know real family man yeah we hear that all the time. he's a sales guy right the earliest proof of his murders is found in 1989 when he was 56 years old which is late in life yeah. for a serial killer but that's the earliest proof that's the earliest proof exactly there was there was at least a cat at some point i'm sure goldfish something yeah, something so in January, on January 11th of 1989, 84-year-old Margaret Todd Hunter was walking down Hale Street. Glover sees her while he's driving. He parks his car. He walks up to her and just straight punches her in the face. He just punches her in the face. And then he uh, steals the contents of her purse, which included $209. He goes to the Mossman RSL Club which is like a, a vet organization, maybe okay. like, so like the VF, like the, like the VFW. VFW. Yeah. yeah, it's just like the VFW. And that's where he spends the money. There were no witnesses. Police investigate her side. They classify it as a mugging and they consider it an open case, but not really solvable because they have no leads. March 1st of 1989, while leaving the Mossman uh, RSL, on Military Road, John Glover spots 82-year-old Gwendolyn Mitchell Hill. He goes to his car, he grabs a hammer, and then he follows Gwendolyn into the foyer of her apartment. He hits her in the back of the head. He then continues to hit her head and her body, and he breaks several ribs. He takes her purse, which included $100, and he flees. So Gwendolyn was still alive when she was discovered by two schoolboys. Sadly, right after police and ambulance arrive, she passes away at the scene. There were no witnesses and there was nothing that was able to trace it back to the previous attack that had happened on Margaret. It all just seems like random violence in the streets. Right. So then we fast forward to May 9th of 1989. He's out walking down Military Road, probably leaving the Mossman RSL. And uh, he spots 84-year-old Lady Ashton, who's a widow of Impressionist artist Sir John Ashton. Oh. So, yeah. So Lady Winfrida Isabel Ashton, she's walking home. John, he goes and he gets his gloves. And he follows her into her apartment foyer, where he hits her over the head with a hammer. He then throws her to the ground and he drags her to a trash can alcove where he starts hitting her head on the pavement repeatedly. Lady Ashton somehow is 84 years old and she's able to fight back. 
like she fights back and she almost gains the upper hand on him. You go, lady. Yeah, seriously. I'm like, oh man. But unfortunately, he falls on her. Like he uses the advantage of his size and he falls on her using his weight, which forces her, you know, of course he like kind of regains control. Yeah. And then he starts hitting her head on the ground again. So once she's unconscious, he takes off her pantyhose and he uses them to strangle her and kills her. He then takes her shoes and her, her cane and, and puts them by her feet. Like he arranges them by her feet. And then he takes off with her purse that had a hundred dollars in it. He went where to the Mossman RSL where he made an odd comment to staff because now they're hearing the police sirens because her body has been discovered. And so he hears the police sirens and he says to them, oh, I hope this doesn't have to do with another mugging. Uh, not, not clever, sir. Right. So when she's discovered, uh, authorities find her in a pool of blood around her head. Of course, her pantyhose are wrapped so tightly around her neck that they slice through the skin. Oh, God. So now the police have Lady Ashton they have Gwendolyn and they have Margaret and they feel like, okay, we've got a serial killer on our hands. All three victims were wealthy elderly women from the suburbs, all killed in the same manner and all robbed of their purses. A post-mortem exam showed no signs of semen or sexual assault on Lady Ashton, but the marks on her neck from the pantyhose were nine centimeters. She had bruises on her nose, her temple, her neck, and both eyelids. And at some point during their struggle, Lady Ashton bit her lip, causing the inside of her mouth quite severe damage. She still had her diamond ring. So the medical examiner said that it wasn't a murder that was really based on money. Even though they stole the money, that's not what this murder was about. Right. Because if you're you're doing it, you're taking anything of value. Exactly. And she's she's a wealthy widow. So that, you know, that diamond ring would have been... Yeah, pricey. On June sixth of nineteen eighty nine, seventy seven year old Marjorie uh, Marjorie Mosley um, is she's minding her own business in her uh, retirement home, the Gardens Retirement Home, when in comes John Glover, and he like fondles her. Mm-hmm. She reports that a man had put his hand under her nightgown, but she didn't really know what he looked like. A few days later, June 24th of 1989, he goes to Caroline Chisholm's nursing home where he lifts her dress and he fondles the, the, her backside. In another room, he puts his hand down the front of another patient's nightgown and touches her breast. She screams. Um, he stopped. He's briefly questioned by staff. And he's, you know, of course he's, all innocent no i don't i don't know i'm I'm just here as the pie the meat pie salesman yeah i'm just dropping some stuff off right um so he's released on august 8th of 1989 he assaults effie carney an elderly woman in the back alley of uh linfield street in sydney australia he doesn't kill her but he does assault her (sighs) on october 6th of 1989 he pretends to be a doctor Um, and he puts his hand up the dress of an elderly patient, Phyllis McNeil, uh, at the 
Wiberia nursing home. Phyllis, who was blind, called for help. John escapes. A few days later on October 18th, John Glover follows uh, 56-year-old Doris Cox to her retirement village in Mossman. He waits till they're in like a secluded stairwell in the front of the house. He attacks her. He pushes her face into a brick wall and that causes her to fall down. She survives the initial assault or the assault, excuse me, but she wasn't able to identify her attacker. And she didn't really have a clear memory of the events because she suffered from dementia. She thought the attacker- Preying on the vulnerable. Exactly. She actually thought the attacker was a younger person, maybe like a skateboarder. And Doris, unfortunately, wasn't helped out by her neighbors who thought they were helping because they cleaned up the crime scene. Oh, yeah. November 2nd of 1989, 78-year-old Dorothy Benecki was walking home when John Glover approaches her and he begins a conversation offering to help her carry her groceries. Once inside the house, she invites him in for a cup of tea. He declines for whatever reason, saving her. He leaves and ends up attacking another elderly woman, 85-year-old Margaret Paulhood, who was also on her way home from the grocery store. We have no idea what caused him to leave. Thank goodness for Dorothy. Unfortunately, though, for Margaret. Yeah. Well, who knows? It could have been a single word or a look or something. Right. So he hits Margaret on the back of her head with a blunt instrument. She falls. He hits her again. And like he had with Lady Ashton, he places her walking stick and her clothing by her feet. He takes off with her handbag. Margaret was discovered by a young schoolgirl. Authorities are called, but again, neighbors clean the scene. Police- neighbors stop cleaning stuff right. up, neighbors. Why this? And this isn't eighty nine. This isn't like in the fifties or the forties where we know that the evidence helps. Like we know you need the forensic evidence in the eighties. What are you doing? Uh, like I can't. Like my neighbors cannot. I can't get them to clean up their after their dog. So. <laughs> right. And these other neighbors are just like, well, let me clean out for your dog and I'll tell the street. You know, would you disinfect this with some bleach just in case? So police, though, now are certain that this is the same killer dubbed the granny killer. Again, there's no witnesses. Glover manages to get away with $200. And where do you think he went, Adam? Target? Uh, uh, Probably uh, some sort of club uh, where military people would would meet. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the Mossman RSL Club. Like, I, I want, I don't know if this is good. I'm not, I'm not foreshadowing, but I really want the bartender at the Mossman Club to be the one that's like, hey, uh, something's really weird. This guy keeps coming back with uh, hundreds of dollars. <laughs> so on November 3rd, like within 24 hours, 81-year-old Olive Cleveland becomes Glover's next victim. So he starts a conversation with Olive while she's just minding her own business on a bench outside of the um, the Wesley Garden retirement home. There was something about him that gave her a bad vibe. Bad vibe saves lives. Yes. Save lives. Um, and just something about her, him made her really uncomfortable. So she gets up to leave and to go back inside the nursing home. Well, after she gets up, he grabs her from behind and he drags her to a secluded area where he repeatedly, like he has in the past, hits her head in the concrete. 
He then takes off her stockings and uses them to strangle her. Then he arranges her cane and her shoes at her feet as he had done with the previous victims and takes off with her purse. This time he gets away with $60. Again, the scene is washed down. What the heck, neighbors? Stop being so cleanly, British people. Or this is Australia. Australian this, people? Yeah. Stop it, Australian people. Like, so, I mean, I, I get the impulse. Like, it's kind of nice, but also, like, stop. Right. Knock it off. You're making this really hard to solve. <laughs> so the government, the authorities, now issue a reward for $200,000. On November 23rd, my mom's birthday, by the way, of 1989, while uh, sitting in the Buena Vista Hotel, John Glover sees 93-year-old Muriel Faulkner on her way home from grocery shopping. He goes outside, goes to his car, which happened to be parked right by a police station, by the way. He gets his gloves and his hammer. He then follows Muriel home, and he approaches the partially blind and deaf elder from behind. He puts his hand over her mouth and hits her multiple times. She falls to the ground unconscious. Again, as he had done with previous victims, as is his MO, he takes off her pantyhose. She regains consciousness and screams for help. So he begins hitting her again until she passes out. He then strangles her with her own pantyhose. Uh, And as he had done previously, he puts her shoes uh, by her feet and he gets her purse and gets $100. Her body is discovered by a neighbor who was like actually just kind of checking on her. They had like a spare key. They go in the house and they're checking on her and they find her. Finally, we have a crime scene that's undisturbed when authorities get there. So police were able to gather forensic evidence, including bloody shoe prints. And a neighbor described Glover as a middle-aged portly graying man, which I'm sure what he heard was like, dang. Um, I mean, like, they're narcissists too. As a, as a as a middle aged portly graying man, uh, we know. <laughs> we, we we don't want to hear it, but we know. Like it's <laughs> it's it's not a surprise. <laughs> the reward after this is increased to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So we fast forward to after the new year, January eleventh of nineteen ninety. John Glover goes to visit the Greenwich Hospital. Um, he's doing his pie sales rounds. So he's in his work uniform. He goes into the palliative care uh, unit that held four elderly women, one of which was 82-year-old Daisy Roberts, who was in the advanced stages of cancer. John pretends that he cares about her temperature. He like walks up to her. He's like, oh, are you hot? Are you cold? You know, he's starting a conversation with her. He pulls up her nightgown and touches her inappropriately. Doris rightfully so panics and screams a nurse comes in to help doris and discovers john glover in in the ward she confronts him and he runs off fortunately as he's running off she's watching where he's going and she's able to get his his license plate off his car and she reports it to police nice well done so hospital staff identified john glover um, from him being at the hospital doing his pie sales rounds his meat pies so about a week later, police show up and they have a picture of John Glover that they showed to the nurse and to 84, uh, 82-year-old Doris. 
and both of them ID him. This still unfortunately doesn't connect him to the previous murders. At that time, his crimes weren't even reported to the murder task force. That wouldn't happen for another three weeks. So detectives from the Chestwood police station contact uh, John, John Wayne Glover's employers and they are able to verify his identity. So police reach out to John Glover and they request to speak to him at the station. He says, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be down there tomorrow. He's a no-show. So they go to his house where they're told by, uh, well, they're told that um, he had, so let's backtrack a little bit. Um, He's still uh, married at this time because his wife leaves him in the midst of all of this. Gotcha. So they're told by his wife that he had attempted suicide. He tried to overdose and he was taken to Royal North Shore Hospital. So police go to the hospital, but John Glover didn't want to be interviewed, but they did allow him to take a photo, which what? They allowed him to take a photo? He allowed them. Sorry. He allowed oh, okay. them to take a photo of, of him. <laughs> like, I'm suicidal, but I brought my camera. <laughs> So hospital staff turned over a suicide note that was written by John Glover. Uh, it's written in the middle of four and 20 letterhead, his business. And it had the words, no more grannies, grannies. And Essie started it. Essie was his mother-in-law. Wow. Dang. So two weeks later, the note and the picture that the officers had taken at the hospital were given to the murder task force. They immediately suspect him as the granny killer, even though they lacked real evidence. Other than the fact that the letter said, grannies, grannies, no more grannies. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess I'm maybe circumstantial, but I'm pretty much not. Yeah. So John is interviewed about the nursing home assaults. And of course, he denies all accusations. He wasn't questioned about the murders because, and, and there was a reason for that, because they didn't want to let him know that they were onto him and suspicious about the murders. So they put him under police surveillance. He's thinking he's smart and avoiding detection. So as he's, you know, driving around town, he'll drive around the block more than once, or he'll drive the the wrong way up a one-way street, which not a great way to avoid detection, in my opinion. That's a good way to get arrested. (laughs) Right. Like at least you know. Yeah. Yeah. So do do you think when he was questioned, he was like, no, 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 I I love grannies. I have several myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh that's that's bad sorry oh, that's so bad <laughs> oh man um march 19th of 1990 glover strikes again this was like the youngest of his murder victims 60 year old joan sinclair um so john and joan were platonic friends yeah. now remember he's under surveillance So they saw Joan let John into her home at about 10 a.m., the police did. Well, by 1 p.m., there's no sign of Joan or John, so they continue to watch. Well, by 5 p.m., police are concerned because there's still no sign of activity. There's no John, there's no Joan, there's no movement. Well, by 6 o'clock, they go ahead and decide to enter. So two plainclothes police officers knock on the door. They don't get an answer. So they, of course they do like the perimeter check and they look through a back window and they see a hammer laying in a pool of blood. Uh, that's not good. 
So detectives arrive on the scene and they begin to search the house and they find Joan's battered body wrapped. So her head, so they find her, her battered head had been wrapped in blood soaked towels. She's naked from the waist down and Mm. she's got pantyhose around her neck. And her shoes are by her feet. I don't own a pair of pantyhose, by the way, because, well, I don't like pantyhose, but mm, no, I don't. mm -mm. I try not to wear any clothes that could potentially kill me, but then again, I'm a klutz. So (laughs) in many ways, all clothes I own could kill me. Oh man. So again, she's her pantyhose around her neck. And unfortunately for her, her lady parts have been damaged. Uh, He would, John Glover would later deny that he had raped her or assaulted her in any way. Because that hasn't been his MO. No, it hadn't been. Like the, the, the pantyhose are always like a means of the, the strangling. Right. Yeah. yeah. So after finding Joan's body, now they have cause to search Glover's house. And they find him in his bathtub, passed out. So he's immediately taken to the hospital, treated and arrested. So once he regains consciousness, John Glover confesses to the murder of Joan, stating that they had been in a relationship. He admits to hitting her in the head with a hammer, taking off her pantyhose and strangling her. He then says he rolled her onto a mat. He wrapped four towels around her head to try to slow the bleeding. And he drags her across the room, which of course left a trail of blood. He then went home, he says, and he ran a bath. He swallowed a handful of Valium with a bottle of VAT 69, which is apparently a blended scotch in Australia. Sounds delicious. He then slit his left wrist and he laid in the bathtub waiting to die on march 28th which is really quick but again i feel like the uk and australia apparently they don't play around when it comes to um justice i mean due process is a different timetable a whole different timetable yeah so on march 28th of 1990 the same year john clover is at trial he pleads not guilty on charges of diminished capacity a psychiatrist says that john glover had built up uh, aggression and hostility since childhood against his mother and then against his mother-in-law and she was the trigger so when the mother-in-law passes away uh, he's got to target his aggression elsewhere another psychiatrist named john shans states that john glover had a severe personality disorder with all that stated The Crown Prosecutor says that John Glover was fully aware of all of his actions. Like, for instance, when he murdered, he planned what he was doing with their money afterwards. He also took the time to clean his murder weapons. John Glover was said to be impotent, which uh, was why he didn't sexually assault his victims. But the act of him tying the pantyhose around his victim's neck was a way of trying to trick police into thinking that his crimes were sexually motivated. Mm-hmm. Trying to throw him off the trail. Yeah, so it's a, it's a red herring, I believe is what they call it. But that's also another proof of his premeditation and being fully aware of what he was doing. Yeah, and the shoe thing, that's a weird thing. Yeah. So John Glover was addicted to poker machines and well, the easiest way to get money, you know, besides working for it, was stealing it, which is what, kick this whole oh, so when he was going back to the the veterans place he was just playing the 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 video poker the, oh, yeah it's not good so john glover's found guilty and the judge 
Justice Wood said he was dealing with an extremely dangerous person. He says, quote, he's able to choose when to attack and when to stay his hand. Prime example is the one lady that he helps with her groceries. She invites him in for tea. He doesn't touch her at all. He leaves and kills somebody else. Something spooked him. Something did. It was like a chihuahua involved or something. <laughs> the judge said, <laughs> the judge said um, that he is cunning and able to cover his tracks. He's plain. Uh, it is plain that he has chosen his moments carefully. Although the crimes have been opportunistic, he has not gone in where the risks were overwhelming. The judge also says, I have no alternative other than to impose the maximum available sentence, which means that the prisoner will be required to spend the remainder of his natural life in jail. He is never to be released. So John Wayne Glover is sent to Lithgow prison and he's held in a maximum security prison cell. In May of 2005, he ends up collapsing in his cell and he's placed on suicide watch telling the guard, I've had enough. I want to kill myself. He's given uh, a psyche valve. He's already, he's already had attempts in the past. So. Right. So he's had a psyche valve. He had two attempts. Now this would be his third. Third, yeah. So it's he's given, yeah. He, he's, they, they put a camera in his cell. They monitor him. He's given a psyche valve. Um, he was also given medical exams as a follow-up to his two cancer surgeries that he had in 2004. So around September 7th, 8th, 9th, he's got a visitor that he gives a sketch of a park. In the sketch, he points out two pine trees in the middle of the park. And mm. in the middle of the right pine tree, there's the number nine between the leaves and the branches. This is said to either be the total number of his murder victims or possibly the number of yet unsolved uh, committed murders by him possibly yeah like the, the here's the you know the mystery go f go find these other nine because i can't even probably remember where they're all at so these unsolved homicides include emmy may henderson who's 78 irene kittle who's 61 elsie boyle 63 christina yonko 63 florence broadhurst 78 josephine mcdonald 72 and wanda amundsen which is who's 83. Uh, Florence was actually an Australian painter and fabrics designer. She was pretty famous in her own right. Oh. oh. So on September 10th of 2005, John Wayne Glover is found dead in his maximum security prison cell at 1.25 p.m. The 72-year-old had taken his own life by hanging himself. His crimes were featured on Crime Investigation Australia. The episode is titled No More Games, The Granny Killer. And he was also featured on Forensic Investigators. The episode is titled Granny Killer. And there you have the story of John Wayne Glover. Okay, parents, if you're going to have a boy, don't name him John Wayne. We got John yeah. Wayne Gacy, John Wayne Glover. Don't do it. Don't do it. To that. I mean, we all love the Duke, but maybe just name him John or Wayne. <laughs> or Wayne. Don't do, the, don't do the combination. Or Wayne John. JW. WJ. <laughs> we also what have John, John Wayne Bobbitt. What Johnny? You remember it's John like, Bobbitt? I mean, um, he didn't I, murder anybody, but. No, no, but some stuff happened. Yeah, some stuff happened. Yeah. So stay away from the name John Wayne. I mean, but it was it was very popular for a very long time because the man made some some movies. Yeah. yeah. True Grit. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> I, just, I think it's more about the number of people named John Wayne as opposed to the name John. Because if I do remember that the uh, Jackie Chan character in uh, Shanghai Nights and uh, what was the other one with him and Owen Wilson was named John Wayne. So oh, really? there, there's a good John Wayne. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but still, just to be safe, maybe stay away from John Wayne. Yeah, maybe. But there you go. That is the story of John Wayne Glover, Australian... English, English, Australian serial killer. It's always like, and I don't know that this is a bad thing, but how often someone is put on suicide watch and then still has the tools to commit suicide? And I I don't know exactly what he used. I I wasn't able to. Well, he said if he hung himself, like. It's probably a sheet. But then I think when you're on suicide watch, don't they take your sheets? I would assume, like, you know, shoots, uh, sheets, uh, shoelaces, none of that. Like, I feel like that's probably the first thing they're like, well, you know, he's probably not going to use pills to kill himself because he has no pills. And we're not going to give him anything sharp. Yeah. But yeah, but it just, it just seems, and, and again, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing, but I'm also not saying people should die, but some people should die. Some, some people should die. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That is the terrible story of John Wayne Glover, the granny killer. I just feel like, look, I don't approve of, you know, murder at at all. But like when you hit that population of um, children or elderly, like you're a special kind of evil. Well, and look how many women had to make to like fight back and make sound. And before, like how many times that didn't even work? Yeah. In this story, like, oh, somebody called out, and then the orderlies run over. And they're like, "Okay, what's going on here?" He's like, "Oh, I'm just a meat spot, meat pie guy," and people are like, "That's a job, evidently." <laughs> well, and then the fact that he always did it to their when their back is turned, because yeah. it's like even though you're taking advantage of this this group of um, what's the word? vulnerable people, vulnerable already. individuals, yeah. yeah, but you're still doing it in an even more more vulnerable state. It's it, it, it that's the stuff that like as a parent or not horrible human you're like you wonder how many times does stuff like that happened that that just you never know you know that never gets reported that somebody doesn't believe somebody because they're in a vulnerable population whether a child or an adult or may have some uh developmental challenges and it if this is if we're finding out about these stories mm-hmm. to me that says that this is like the the tip of the iceberg that there's stuff that's just not happening so yeah we should do a lot more believing yeah yeah oh but there you go thanks uh for sticking with us i know we like rambled a bit a bit in the beginning um i, I don't know i felt like we were very focused and on task because we always are <laughs> as, um, as usual I, I believe that my, uh, my all of my grade school teachers in every report card, it was like, Adam is clearly focused and on task. He does not <laughs> talk too much in class or get distracted by anything. Oh, so real quick, I just saw this TikTok and I was like, I should really like do a duet with this. And it was like, um, for those of you that got in trouble for talking too much as a kid, what do you do now? And I'm like, oh, I got in trouble for talking too much. My mom will tell you I got in trouble for talking too much. 
like my oldest would get in trouble for talking too much she was bored she needed to be in a more advanced class i think that was that was part of my problem too and what do i do for a living i talk you literally get paid to talk i Uh, do (laughs) which i mean that's just you finding your thing i mean that that's good though I literally get paid to just keep talking. (laughs) Like not everybody's supposed to be the quiet kid in class just doing math. Like (laughs) we we need them, especially in the next like month because taxes are coming up. We need those kids. Right. Uh, But we we can't all be the the, the math kid. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Do you have anything to add this week, Adam? Uh, No, I would say that uh, you should probably follow us on all of the uh, streaming services like the Stitcher or the Spotify or the Apple Music Plus iPod thing. I don't know what it's called anymore. Definitely follow those and like and share. Uh, Also, if you want to buy Brooke a coffee because she's going to have to edit this monstrosity of an entire we've been going like you guys think this is long, but we've probably been recording for at least twice as long as the actual episode. So she needs at least two coffees, maybe three, throw in an espresso. So buy us a coffee.com. Uh, go to a side, b side podcast.square.site to uh, subscribe and buy merch. Uh, we mentioned today that bad vibes save lives. That one lady that survived this whole thing, she had the bad vibes. She's a, she lived. So uh, get a t shirt. You can share that with everybody else. Uh, also, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, which is pretty cool. Like, I think I'm the only one who's liked it recently. So I'm feeling a little lonely. So come like it with me. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, uh, we're on the TikToks. Uh, we still got a MySpace page. Uh, my live <laughs> journal is not is not active, but uh, you can find it if you try hard enough. So uh, yes, do all of that. Anything I miss? No, no. I love that you brought up our MySpace page. Mm-hmm. That- I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You got to go to a side b side geocities.global.com. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Brooke.